1: Back to Murder in the Land of Oz. I almost said everybody wants to be a cat because that's my other podcast. But... Oh, I'm Jess. I have two podcasts. Oh, I'm Ellen. I only have one. Now I have to
0: get another podcast just out of spite. I
1: don't think Zane's going to let you.
0: <laughs> He's so busy. Zane, let me have another podcast. <laughs> yes, he <Yay>! said
1: yes. <laughs> um, so this is our last episode of... For Queensland. Probably not forever. No. For this. We're probably gonna circle back at some point.
0: There are more than six crimes that have happened in Queensland. I know,
1: but these are the ones that we picked for now because we didn't think we'd get this far. We didn't think we would make more than six episodes. Yeah. But turns out people are listening, including people in Pennsylvania. Shout out <laughs> to Sherry! Woohoo! What a bad
0: bitch! Love it! Yes, thank you to everybody who has been like <laughs> rating and reviewing on Facebook. It and is very on needed, and
1: it's very well liked. And everybody's comments. been really liked. Yeah. Really, really nice.
0: Only rate us five stars though. If you have a if you have an issue with podcast, do don't it over rain. email. Don't yeah,
1: rate. Yeah. <laughs> send us an email about it. We don't, you know. Please send us an email. Nobody else needs to know about it. All right, sir. So, Okay, so friend of the podcast, my friend, Zayn's friend, I don't know if Ellen's met him before. Don't think so. Um, John O'Hickey, who I went to uni with, bit of a lad, bit of a great guy, love him, she adore him, she can't get enough of him, told him that I was doing this podcast and he was like, what about the lesbian vampire killer? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, you know, oh, she like in West End. I can take you where it happened. And I was like, okay. We were at the Western markets at the time, so very apt. Um, and he told me about this crime, and I had no idea about it. Once again, when I don't know anything, I go and talk to my mother about it, don't I? Hi, Catherine. Um, <laughs> hi. Hi. Um, and she told me the story that my parents were on their honeymoon. Well, not their honeymoon, but, like, they went on a trip to America. They're sitting in a cafe in Los Angeles, and the front page of the Los Angeles Times, or whatever the hell it's called was Brisbane's lesbian vampire killer and mum and dad were like what? They were like wait but we're in Los Angeles at the moment. Yeah (laughs) they're like what what now? Had no idea. So let's let's set the scene. I also have a memory of the lesbian vampire killer. Oh my god tell me.
0: I don't remember it actually. You weren't born. I wasn't born but I used to read all of these really juicy true crime articles back in like New Idea or like Women's Weekly or something like that when I was like a child like way too young yeah and I remember reading about this case Madeline McCann and John Benet Ramsey like every week Women's Weekly or New Idea whichever one it was it would be one of these three cases and they were just like sourced up Mm. like there was not a grain of truth in any of these articles but damn were they juicy so juicy
1: I know that we're doing this so that we can do Australian true crime, but I really want to talk about Jean Bernard Ramsey at one point.
0: We will sometime. We have some international crimes that we w-
1: oh, maybe we'll I'd just want make a really flimsy Australian. Jean because
0: Burke did it. We're not getting into this. We're saving it for our hypothetical future episode. Talk about the lesbian vampire killer before I murder you.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> it's funny because Zane thinks that Ellen's really funny and laughs, <laughs> at all of her things. She laughs at all of our things. No, of course I think that she's funny, but it's like I watching somebody else find her very funny is like hilarious because I was the only one that would laugh at her. What you guys don't
0: know is that I'm not making jokes. I'm just being 100% serious and then sometimes people laugh and I don't know
1: how or why. All of my document has gone to – what has happened? Oh, no! It's all right. Okay, cool. Great. So January 1991. The Gulf War is happening, and the media is, like, very busy with stuff from the Gulf War. Fuck off. I got this from an article. and We do research. We get uh, all of it from articles. So they're busy with that. So this whole story of this Brisbane lesbian vampire killer comes out because I don't know about you, but the 80s and the 90s was filled with a lot of satanic panic. And anything to do with the occult or anything to do that's a little bit witchy, people were not okay with they it. They were
0: not on board, right? Which is a real shame because Satan. But
1: it, it turns out because this whole thing had come out in ninety-one, but this had happened back in eighty-nine. But because of the judicial system and all that shit, it you know it took a time for this part to come to trial, and that's when everybody started going crazy. So, some backstory, right? We're talking about Tracy Avril Wigington. So she was born in 1965. She was abandoned by her parents Mm -hmm. and was sent to live with her allegedly abusive grandparents who allegedly sexually abused her. So then she was sent – I think I got a lot of my information from a documentary that I found on the YouTube called Great Crimes and Trials. What a great crime. Yeah. Looks like they did the Just footage. Just a really great one. Because it was, you know, it's one of those documentaries where they're, you know, they're talking about something that happened in the past, but they're filming our city in 2012. And the reason I know it was 2012 was because the Brisbane Festival, like, logo and signage is in it, and it was green, and that's oh, when the Brisbane Festival signage was green. It was green. back in 2012. Um, So the narrator has very – Weird way of saying things. He says occult. You know, he says occult. Oh, I love it when people pronounce occult like that. Occult. It's like, no, it's like the occult. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's the occult. Okay. And then I'm not sure if he says the Grange Catholic Convent, which seems to make sense to me. Instead of Range Catholic Convents, I'm pretty sure he says Grange, right? And when she was at this convent, that's when she started to – Begin her sexual preference for women, Wait, shall we So she was abandoned by her parents, yep. moved in with her grandparents, yep. and then Catholic convent. Catholic convent, geez, straight to the convent. I think convent just means like school.
0: Oh, right. For- it was a school in the convent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool.
1: Okay, cool. So, oh my God, why is my laptop doing this? Just don't yell people's ears. Yeah, I'm not like on top of the microphone. Okay, so this is what you need to know. 21st of October, 1989, Elaine Baldock woke up and her husband wasn't there. Her husband, his name was Edward Baldock, would go out drinking on his days off. Relatable. Relatable. Very relatable. Love a rosé on the day off. Um, And even on the day on. But this was like 5, this was like 4.35 in the morning. Apparently he would always be home before then. You know, he'd have a rager. But, you know, keeping it real, let's roll it in at about, you know, one or two. Mm-hmm. He would never be home this late. So she started to worry and um, she reports him missing. So then, oh, my gosh, if this cannot, like, if this can just stop, I'm just trying to, like, go down and it's really not. Okay, cool. So we're at dawn. So we're about an hour and a half later. Rower Stephen Karen was the first boat out on the Brisbane River and he spots something on the bank in West End. Can
0: we just add to the Murder in the Land of Oz drinking game? Rowers finding bodies. Rowers, joggers. This is the third rower. That's right.
1: Oh my gosh, Alison, That's right. Yeah, and
0: um, Patrick May. <coughs> somebody found somebody found um old mate's body. He was in a boat. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool.
1: Um,
0: not cool. Um, cool that they're being found. Not cool that they're there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so he was the first boat down the Brisbane River, and he spots something on the bank in West End, at the front of the sailing club. So the end of the sailing club that backs onto the river, obviously. He had to divert some morning joggers, and thank God he did, because that would be a sight. That it? would be a sight. Poor Stephen Karen. Um, and he pulled his boat up onto the side of the bank and went to inspect. So he says in Great Crimes and Trials, he's like he was in a fetal position. He was naked. He had defecated. There was blood. That happens
0: quite frequently after you die.
1: Oh, that's just a thing that happens when you die. Not necessarily if you're murdered. No, just the, just, the body just death relaxes. In general. The body relaxes. There was blood all up the wall of the boat shed. His head was back, and he was basically cut from ear to ear through his throat. It was ve- it was a very messy and horrific scene. So, police chief on the scene. His name is Patrick Glancy, and he's now retired because he was you know probably in his forties or fifties or something when this happened. Um, and he was the lead investigator on the case, and he was one of the first people on the scene. And Patrick said the body was naked. He was in, he was covered in blood, mostly congealed blood. He had a pair of socks on his feet, but nothing else. The body had in excess of 12 puncture wounds to the chest and back. The only thing that was holding his head to his body was his spine. Yeesh. Yeesh. Yeesh indeed. So Glancy at this point finds two clues at the scene. And one is the wallet. Of Edward Baldock, so tells him who's the victim is. And the other is in Edward Baldock's shoes, and it's a bank card, almost identical to Edward Baldock's card, Mm -hmm. but the name on it says T.A. Wigginton. I'm sorry, she
0: left her own bank card in his shoe? I'm jumping ahead. Well, jumping ahead.
1: But what? (laughs) So she, well, they go into this whole thing on the documentary that Edward Baldock is basically the reason, like, he, what doing that action basically caught the killer because it. Right, right. I'm he was the. Up he, what you're they, down. they theorized that he found the bank card mm-hmm. and for whatever reason. He stashed it. He stashed it in a shoe. Yes. And because of him doing that, probably saved the investigators mm-hmm. a lot of time, especially back then when you don't, you know, there would have been. DNA ish to an extent, or blood typing to an yeah, extent, but, but not like what it is now. No, exactly. So that eliminated, you know, first off, it eliminated all men. Ma- like it, it like Im- like imagine seeing a scene like that and then being like, oh, oh, that I, I would think a guy did it, of course, because it's a murder. Yeah, turns out not so much. Um, so within hours of discovering Edward Baldock, they arrest Tracy Wigginton. So, as she's arrested, she implicates three accomplices. We've got Lisa Pachinski, who was twenty four, we've got Kim Jarvis, who was twenty three, and Tracy War, who was twenty three. Fifteen months later, so she's arrested, it almost goes completely unnoticed by the media because, um at the committal proceedings, Tracy, like it's presented with all this evidence. It's stacked up against her. she can uh, she um pleads guilty. So she basically just goes away. Um, but then they've got these three accomplices, which they have to you know she so Tracy has accepted responsibility for what she's done, and she's going to prison. But of course, she's implicated three other people in the crime that were present to do with this murder. So we're jumping forth to the 31st of January 19, uh, 1991. So this is the chart this is the trial of Lisa Pachinsky, Kim Jarvis and Tracy War. And all three accomplices insist that they are innocent. And this is when shit hits the fan. So the media begin pouring out headlines of this lesbian vampire that had been walking the streets of Brisbane with headlines hitting all over the world. Insert anecdote of my parents. Literally, that's what it says on the page. But I've already said the anecdote, so it doesn't really matter. So Lisa, Kim and Tracy War, not Wigginton War. I thought I should state that so I yes. literally every time I talk about the Accomplice Tracy it says war they all stand accused of the murder of El- Edward Baldock their defense they were under the hypnotic powers of a lesbian vampire dun 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 boy if i had a penny <laughs> right okay so i mentioned this before there was the 80s and the and the early 90s were rife with satanic panic Basically, yes.
0: What is the Satanic Panic? So
1: basically, this book came out by these people. I don't know their names, but it they talk about basically um, through therapy, children recalling incidences of child abuse that had to do with uh, the occult, basically, and satanic ritualistic killing, and people were freaking the shit. Out. And I remember actually them talking about it on Criminal Minds because um, that is a fictitious show, but a lot of the stuff is based on uh, things that actually the F- like the FBI um, Behavioral Analysis Unit mm. have written about. Mm. And a lot of the satanic panic stuff and like the ritualistic stuff actually didn't happen. Yeah. And it was these uh, therapists – that were manipulating people into, like, false memory, yeah. basically. And,
0: and the first kind of – the the incident that Jess is talking about in the <laughs> book uh, was about a group of kindergarten children. That's right. It was a kindergarten, and these therapists, um, you know, were, like, investigating these children and basically like, were like, oh, well, they have these, like, memories of these satanic rituals and, you know, ritualistic abuse committed by these people in this kindergarten – so they investigated all of the kindergarten teachers and stuff like that and a bunch of them like, you know, were actually arrested, went to prison, put on trial, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then like as time wore on and we stopped being so dumb, I guess, yeah. they were like, well, none of these memories of abuse were true and it would be ridiculous. Yeah. Like the the stories that these children, again, children, kindergarten age children were pull- were just like crazy insane things that so would obviously be from like a child's imagination yeah. but they obviously took it seriously because it was allegations of abuse against children. Yeah, so
1: of course they're gonna of course they're gonna take it seriously. Mm-hmm. But the thing is like the media as it likes to jumps blows, blows on a headline it on it. and mm-hmm. likes to fucking run with it. So anything to do with Satanism or um horror movies or, you know, people just being morbid in general, mm. they would jump on it. And it would sell a lot of newspapers. So of course, mm. saying a headline instead of woman kills man shit happened. They're like, she's a lesbian vampire and she's a fucking mind reader and meh, yeah. meh, 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 because that's gonna sell you newspapers. Yeah. All right. So oh I have a quote. I forgot I wrote this. The Satanic Panic was a time period roughly covering the 1980s when many people became growingly concerned about Satanic's conspiracy spreading throughout the United States and, I'm going to say, the world. People were particularly fearful that Satanists were targeting children both physically and psychologically, and they warned that unwary souls might fall under the sway of Satanic influences if they did not remain vigilant. Thanks, ThoughtCo.com. Thank you. What an excellent quote, right? Okay, cool. Shout out to our
0: homies at thoughtco.com.
1: Okay. So the court was told that Tracy Wigginton believed that she was a vampire and that Lisa Pachinski told the court that Tracy couldn't eat solid food. And trust me, doll, I think she could (laughs) because she would not be walking. (laughs) She would not be talking or anything if she didn't eat not blood all the time, you know, because that's a fucking thing.
0: Yes, you can't live on blood.
1: Don't, like, I don't know a lot about cannibalism. I find it very, um, unnerving. And isn't there a thing like people vomit blood if they accidentally drink it? I
0: mean, like, it's not designed to be eaten. No. Your body kind of goes, hmm. Better not. Not not what I would like. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. All right. So, um... Is that she she couldn't so she couldn't eat solid food and that she had to feed on blood. And there was this whole thing that she would go to butcher shops and she would buy blood and she would drink it. I call bullshit. I call it. So this entire trial basically rests on the fact that these girls were bewitched by another girl who thought she was a vampire, but not just any vampire, a lesbian one. <laughs> right? Okay, so Adrian Gundalak. I have So many fucking problems with this guy, okay? So he's in this great crimes and trials. He was the prosecutor, and it's basically his job that he has to say that the murder was calculated and they planned it and that it wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, mind control or anything. Mm -hmm. He is extremely sexist, he's extremely misogynistic, and he's very homophobic. Great. You know, just Obviously who you want he, prosecuting a lesbian he's vampire He's trying killer. to do his best, I'm sure, but the things that he says in this documentary are extremely problematic when he's talking about Tracy Wigginton, Yes, she killed a guy. Not going to condone that, but he's like, oh, well, she was very butch and she wore things and then she looked like she'd been in a few scruffs. And I'm like, okay. And, like, I felt bad, like, you know, like, She's just a person. She can wear whatever she fucking wants. And then she goes on about, then he went on about, oh, well, you know, she's not the type of girl that would be very attractive to men. She's like, I'm like, she wasn't trying to be attractive to men. She didn't give a shit. She's She's a lesbian. She's not the heterosexual vampire killer. Come on, mate. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was like, this is so problematic, this sort of thinking. But then I was like, it's 1991. Mm. Well, not when he was interviewed. This was 2012, so he was obviously very backward. I bet he voted no. I bet he did. I don't know. Adrian Gundelach. Contact us. Don't, Email us. Let us know what you voted. Okay. So his job was basically to say this was calculated, this was planned, and that it wasn't to do with any voodoo, you know? So during the trial, it was discovered that Tracy Wigginton – Lisa, Kim, and Tracy War had only met a few weeks earlier prior to the murder and that they shared an interest with the occult, or as the guy in the documentary says, the occult. <laughs> oh, God. Honestly. So funny. Back in so- 1991,
0: like, you'd throw a rock and hit 100 people interested in the occult. Like, everybody was into it back then.
1: Yeah. So when they were inspecting, like, all three of their houses, in Kim Jarvis's house, they found photos from cemeteries. Now, I don't know what they're doing in these cemeteries in these photos, but I like going to cemeteries. I like walking around cemeteries. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's not a cool place to go, but it's – It is cool. Look at the grave, see which the oldest one is. Mm. Like, go there at nighttime and freak yourself out. The Tawong Cemetery is really, like – I had – you know, weird personal story, but my uh, great aunt is buried there and I wanted to find out where she was. And it was funny, the position that the map was telling me, this is when, back when I lived in Toowong, you could see my house
0: Ooh, from where
1: she was, but there wasn't a headstone. But because there's that all that find a grave stuff, it turns out she's in an unmarked grave. Oh, my God, tragic. My, my 25-year-old auntie Barbara
0: in That's an unmarked so grave in Toowong.
1: I know, it's awful. It's so sad. Anyway, back to the lesbian vampire. Um, so during the trial, they found the so they found the photos in Kim Jarvis's house. They're in the cemeteries. They don't know what they I don't know what they're doing. They didn't really go into it. Um, and Patrick Glancy was like, "The group appeared preoccupied with death." Yes, yeah, same. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Here same. we are sitting in a podcast loft. <laughs> Talking about murder, I'm preoccupied with death and I don't think I'm capable of killing anybody, you know? No. Not saying that Tracy Wigginton didn't do it. She definitely did, but... This is the whole issue with the
0: satanic panic. It's not necessarily not whether or not they killed the person. It's whether or not they were hopped up on Satan juice when they did it.
1: (laughs) And, you know, she probably wasn't. going on a (laughs) T-shirt, hopped up on Satan juice. (laughs) Brilliant. Okay, so... Tracy Wigington, you know, in the weeks that leading up to the murder, she reveals to her new friends slash followers that she likes to go into the butcher shop and buy blood and drink it. Lisa Pachinski apparently offered herself as a, a donor, is that a right word? A sacrifice? Yeah. And like offering her like her own blood, so like cutting a vein and letting her drink from it. Cutting herself with a Stanley knife. Oi. Do you know what a Stanley knife is? Yes, Jess. I cut stock boxes open with Stanley knives. No thanks. I can talk about dead bodies until like, Kingdom
0: come. Kingdom come, but as soon as somebody said like live wounds, no. Nah, can't do it. Nah. I'm going to faint.
1: So apparently at Kim's house this is when they hatched the plan to satisfy Tracy's thirst for blood. So Lisa, Kim, and Tracy War were all prepared to go along with Wiggington and help her.
0: Hmm.
1: All right, so Pat Glancy, he's the star witness for the prosecution and he's relaying everything the girls had told to him about October 20th, 1989. They all met at Lamore's, which was a LGBT nightclub in the Fortitude Valley on Ann Street. They go to the nightclub armed with knives. <laughs> a witness at Lemoore's stated that the group looked as if they were in a celebratory mood, actually drinking champagne. Oh, well
0: as you do yikes
1: all right eleven thirty. the four women leave into tracy wigginton's car and they begin cruising the city they cross the story bridge which i can see in my periphery how fucking apt is that it's funny because we're doing a murder that was based in brisbane you'd think that was the whole fucking point of the podcast yeah as if <laughs> there we go so they cross the story bridge into kangaroo point and they start cruising along river terrace at this point, Edward Bulldog had been enjoying his day off. He was having some bevos and playing darts at the Caledonian Club, which was his haunt, his favorite place to go. Mm-hmm. Just after midnight, Bulldog, he is pissed. He is off his fucking face, leaves the bar and staggers onto the street. At the same time, Tracy, Wigington, Lisa, Kim, and Tracy War they go past. So they agreed in their plan that one of them was going to, like, pose as a prostitute to entice somebody into the car. That person just happens to be Edward Baldock because he was on his own. hmm So one of them poses to be uh, a prostitute, and that's Kim Jarvis because, as Adrian Gundlach, the prosecutor says, she was the prettiest one of the bunch. Oh, Gross. So, and uh, Lisa Paczynski stating that Edward Bulldog when he got into the car was as drunk as a skunk. That's a direct quote. Yeah. So, uh, Glancy stated that they drove from Kangaroo Point to the West End Sailing Club. Tracy Wigington then took Bulldog from the car and led him back to the uh, led him to the back of the sailing club facing the river. That's where apparently Bulldog took off his clothes and sat down. And he and Tracy Wigington held hands. Intimate. Yeah. So Bulldog is like wasted at this point, mm-hmm. but Tracy Wigington was still afraid that even though he was intoxicated, she wasn't going to be able to overpower him. So she got, so she got, so she went back to the car and she got Lisa Paczynski. So Lisa had a knife as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> Pardon me. And she was meant to be the person that stabbed Bulldog. Mm-hmm. But... When she got to where Bulldog was, she was like, "Nope, nah, I can't do it. Hands the knife to Tracy, so effectively giving her the murder weapon and nopes off and backs to the car, right? So this is when Wiginton stabbed Bulldog in the back several times. She then proceeded to repeatedly stab him in the neck and the side, and she leaned him against the doors of the sailing club and watched, basically watched him die. Then the girls allege that Tracy Wigington put her face into the wound in Edward Bulldog's back.
0: I'm going to faint. <laughs> Don't. It's very unpleasant.
1: Yeah. All right. So Tracy then washed her arms in the Brisbane River as well as the knives that were used in the murder and walked back to the car. Pajinsky then asked if she had fed, and Kim Jarvis remarked that it looked like she had had a three-course meal. Oh. That honestly sounds
0: like bad dialogue from a 90s vampire film. They were probably watching a lot of
1: bad 80s vampire films. so Probably. I mean, probably. <laughs> so then they leave Edward Bulldog at the scene and they went home. Kim Jarvis took the knives home and washed them in bleach. So the prosecution argues that all three girls were complicit in the murder. Lisa providing the weapon, Kim luring Bulldog into the car and covering up the evidence of the murder. And Tracy War for sitting in the vehicle and doing nothing to stop the murder. Mm-hmm. And this made me think of that episode in I Am A Killer, mm-hmm. the first one where the guy's the driver. Yeah, he's the driver. Because there's that rule of- Law of parties. Law of parties that be- he didn't do anything, mm-hmm. so he still gets charged with the murder. Yeah. So that's what made me think of that. Okay, so then the defense. Fuck. They're like- they couldn't help themselves. They were under the influence of Wigginton, And then they betray her as like this domineering, sadistic bully. And look, she could have been all of those things. I don't know. I don't know her. They bring up Tracy's troubled past and the abuse that she suffered at the hands of her grandparents and how that inspired within her a hatred of men. So Lisa Pachinski apparently had only met Tracy a few weeks before the murder, but immediately became under her spell. Her defense argued that Lisa was extremely susceptible and vulnerable due to her psychiatric problems. She had a slew of mental health like experts, and they stated that in the course of the trial that she was extremely infatuated and probably was dominated by Tracy Wigington. Lisa stated that Tracy Wigington had some sort of power, that she can do strange things, make people disappear except their eyes. She can read my mind. Whack. Whack. Right? So then the court was told that Lisa had been admitted to hospital in her past 82 times. <laughs> what? In the five years prior to the trial. 82 times in five years? Just stay there. She had overdosed or had attempted to take her own life.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So fucked. So basically just painting Lisa mm-hmm. as another victim of the lesbian vampire. So the defense then said that Lisa thought this whole plan to kill someone was a joke. I don't know. I think it kind of stops being a joke when you're, you know, when you've got the knives. When you're getting the guy in the car, yeah. Like,
0: back what, off, then. What a you fun do it. What a fun joke. We're just going to slit this guy's throat from
1: ear to ear for the laugh of it all. No, I'd take it pretty fucking seriously. All right. So then the defense for Kim Jarvis and Tracy War, right? So they basically repeat that none of the girls believed that anything like this was going to happen. So Tracy War, She, through the trial, is accompanied by her parents. It turns out, according to Adrienne Gundlach, in the process of the trial, she was the most appealing. She was wearing a pretty frock. Her hair was done nicely. She wasn't wearing any makeup, and she looked really, really young. The defense stated that Tracy War was so scared of Tracy Wigginson. she was petrified of her and was under mind control, and that's why she stayed in the car, but she also did nothing to prevent the death of Edward mm like yeah,
0: here's my issue with that right uh mind control isn't real, yeah, like do they are they just saying that like she was manipulated blah blah blah, or are they literally saying mind control like it is satanic panic? Do they literally think that
1: they state that Tracy? Oh, sorry. Um, they state that like Tracy was extremely manipulative to all of them, and that it was like a form of mind control. Interesting. So they state the defense stated that yes, Tracy, War, Lisa Pachinsky, and Kim Jarvis shared Tracy's Tracy Wigington's interest in the occult, and they would hang hang out and watch horror films. But like that's just what young people do. Mm-hmm. But does that make them killers?
0: No, the murder made them the killers. Yes.
1: So on Friday, the thirteenth of February, nineteen ninety one, following Friday a Friday the thirteenth are you kidding me? Come on. Following a fourteen day trial, the jury had to decide the jury had to decide the fate of the three accomplices of the lesbian vampire killer. After two days of deliberation, the jury came back finding that Lisa Pachinski was guilty of murder, Kim Jarvis was guilty of manslaughter, and Tracy War. Got nothing. She walked free. You're kidding? Not kidding. So, according Whoa. to Pat Pat Glancy, the lead investigator, he stated that there wasn't a lot of evidence against Tracy War. That she was present for the planning of the murder, but remained in the car. Once again, the "I am the killer" thing. Mm. Do like, we have? We don't have a law of parties, do we? I don't
0: believe so. No, I. I do know that, like, if you see a crime in process and you're, like, able to stop it but don't. But
1: she didn't see it. She was in the car. She
0: was in the car the entire time. I mean, I feel like if she helped plan the murder, like, she's guilty of conspiracy Well, of they say else. she was
1: present in the planning of the murder. But murders, she didn't help plan it. But she it. didn't help plan it.
0: Problematic. I mean, I guess a guy died. I know. You know? I mean, if, like, Zane and I were just, like, chilling, planning your murder, like, even if Zane didn't do it, He was there when we planned it and he wasn't like, hey, maybe you shouldn't murder Jess. Like (coughs) you can't sit there and not like do literally do nothing while your mates are planning a murder. Like that's questionable.
1: Yeah. So obviously Edward Bulldog wasn't painted in the best light as well during the trial. He was portrayed as a drunk. Um, He, you know, there's the whole thing of him getting in the car. Mm. But it's like whether or not they actually propositioned him as a prostitute. Well, I,
0: I, as soon as you said that, I thought that was a bit questionable because so Kim was the one who was the pretty one who was pretending to be the The prostitute, right? Yeah. So she sees a drunk guy on the road, goes, "Hi, I'm a prostitute. Like I've got a half off deal tonight. Do you want to, you know, come on on in." in?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, sure." Gets in a car with three other women in it. One of whom is like a, and you know, pretty masculine, like butch lesbian. So he'd probably be like, oh, not sure about that. Mm. Um, That doesn't really strike me as all that likely, even for a super drunk guy no. to be like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll get me some of that. And she's like, okay, you just have to hop in the car with me and my friends. Also, we're driving to West End. Also, there's four of us. Like, I don't know. That doesn't really seem all that believable to me. Yeah.
1: Look, he got in the car when he was propositioned. We don't know if it was for sex or if they were just offering him a ride home, but let's Hmm. not victim blame him, shall we? No, let's not. Yeah. Um, Patrick Lancy states several times in this episode of Great Crimes and Trials that he was a loving family man. Whether or not he actually was, I don't know. Edward Bulldog's family was present at the trial. Mrs. Bulldog obviously was extremely distressed because her husband is dead and was murdered very viciously. And she stated during the trial that she wanted to kill all four girls. I I can understand. Word. So in 96, Kim Jarvis is granted parole after just serving five years. In 2009, Lisa Paczynski, aged 43, is released. And in 2012, aged 46... Tracy Wigington is released after serving 23 years behind bars. And that's that.
0: Interesting. Why do you think they got off so lightly?
1: I think in Lisa Pachinski's case, if she was that mentally ill, mm, as they were stating, that's I can fair enough. kind of see that. But even then, like she, Kim Jarvis, who covered it up, like hmm. she had the knives and everything. And she cleaned them, and she gets five years that's insane, I mean Tracy War got nothing like let's yeah, let's be real,
0: I mean, even like the main tracy she she brutally murdered a guy and then drunk his blood, and maybe maybe, but twenty three years do you think it's because they were women? Do you think there was a little bit of like we're not really taking this all this
1: seriously like i think I think, look, I think there's a big problem with our judicial system at to oh, be yeah. honest. <laughs> like, I don't think twenty three years is long enough by any sense of the word for taking somebody's life.
0: No, especially not under those circumstances. No, like a
1: premeditated, it was planned v- very out murder. Calculated cons- like, you know, it 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 is like something from a movie. It like, is
0: I, like the movie Lesbian Vampire Killers. It's a real movie.
1: Yeah. It yeah. No, I don't. I don't think it's long enough. No, you kill somebody, you go away for life. Yeah, and you know, you look at you know, news article came up today. A friend of mine posted it on Facebook: this guy raped a fourteen year old girl, and nothing happened. Mm. He walks free. How like how are we meant to sleep at night? Yeah, knowing that people that do this shit are out. Yeah. And there are people that advocate for Tracy Wigginton and say that you know she's never going to do it again. Well, I would feel I mean, a lot safer if she was never going to do it again. If she was locked up behind bars, how do
0: you know that she's never going to do it again? Is she entirely rehabilitated? I wouldn't think that our prison system would be good enough to completely rehabilitate well, somebody.
1: Because um, yeah, she she assaulted somebody in prison. Mm. Whether or not that was provoked, I don't know, but.
0: I mean, look, there's being goth, there's being into murder, there's being into vampires and stuff like that. Like, everybody is. But at the end of the day, like, you strip away all the sensationalized satanic panic vampire lesbian stuff. She, like, mutilated a guy. Yeah. And, like, left him to die.
1: Watched him die.
0: And watched him die and took pleasure out of it. That's sadistic. Yeah. That's messed up. That is, like...
1: There's no coming back from that. There's no rehabilitating
0: that. No, like, not that we're psychologists or know no, anything. No, 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 but... But, like, that is the reason why you get a life sentence. Yeah. Because that is just something that, you know... She wasn't going through a twilight phase. Like, she literally murdered someone. Yeah. I think that this case,
1: about like... the whole thing about her being a vampire. She actually just murdered somebody. She actually, exactly. There are plenty of people who think that they're vampires and they don't hurt anyone. Plenty. There could be, I don't know. I'm sure
0: there is plenty of people who... 12-year-old me definitely thought she was a vampire. Really? Well, not really, but like, you know, I had a 16-year-long phase. Still kind of in the vampire phase. Sometimes you don't grow out of it. I don't think I'm a vampire. Good.
1: Because
0: you're not. Rude. Rude. It's 2018. I can be
1: who I want. So as I said, I got a lot of information from Great Crimes and Trials, and they interview the and you know Adrian Gundelach, who look he goes into pretty drastic detail about it. Yeah, calling her butch and describing that she had a few fights. Like I just, oh, yes, she killed somebody, and yes, it's not good. But man, we people suck towards people that are LGBTQ. Mm. And I mean, yeah, the, the
0: sensationalizing of this case, it is something that I think a lot of people have heard about. Obviously, as you said, it was like international news. And like even us, the, throughout this entire podcast, we've been calling it the lesbian vampire murder. Like it's yeah. sexy and interesting and stuff like that. Sells papers. Sells papers, exactly. And like, you know, painting her in that way, like the way Gundalak does, you know, that kind of like creates a story that isn't necessarily true. No. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I'm glad I picked it. It was short, but the actual murderer took responsibility for her cl- crime and went to prison, but it was the three other girls were like, "Oh, but 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 she told me so." Not I mean, good enough. It it does open up a very interesting uh, uh
0: discussion I think about liability. Like what are you liable for? What should you be liable for if you are?
1: Well, look, Ellen, if you were to me like I want to kill Zane. Sorry, Zane. <laughs> I wanna kill Zayn. You're getting used in our
0: hypotheticals a lot today.
1: <laughs> and I'm gonna do it this way and this way and this way and this way and this way. And you're gonna come with me. I think at one point I would be like, I don't think you should do that. Thanks, Jess. For your benefit, for Zane's <laughs> benefit, and for mine. Well, that's really good of you. That's really good of you to do that. And I wish Tracy War or Kim Jarvis or Lisa Pacinski had been like Um, so Tracy Wigginton, like, really stoked you're a vampire, like, happy loving that, loving Loving that that, vibe, loving that vibe so much. Let's go home and watch Buffy the Vampire Vampire Slayer, Slayer. (laughs) you know, like, let's go live those dreams, but let's not kill somebody, let's not actually murder someone that isn't real. Yeah, because the vampire thing,
0: I would be very, very interested. And there is no way that I would ever be able to find this out because it's like not possible. But I would I want to know about this whole like mind control thing. Like how under the spell were these girls? Because they'd only known her for a couple of weeks. Even like cult leaders and things like that, who are these super charismatic characters, mm. you know It takes a while to build. It, they, like Charlie Manson didn't do this
1: overnight though. No, elves, did he did he? he
0: didn't meet those guys like a week earlier at the pub. Like he'd been at the game for a while. Yeah. I think you probably need to be at the game for a while.
1: Oh, yeah. Sometimes when a hot person, though, is like this. Les- is- Lesbian vampire kill? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not excusing it. But, like, sometimes you're so enamored by somebody that. That's true. You I kind definitely- of go along with their shit. Yes, but I want to know. that's me at the moment. Alrighty.
0: <laughs> n- n- enough about your personal life, Enough Jess. about that. I want to know, I think, f- to phrase it better. Let's edit that I out. would like to know. <laughs> I would like to know to what extent were these girls enamored with Tracy Willingham or to wit, like. I think
1: they were young and I think in. They were our age. Wow. Not young, that young.
0: Younger, 24, 23, 24.
1: That's like. I think I'd be smart enough younger. to know, unless I was really vulnerable and my life had been really shit, that if someone told me they were a vampire, I'd probably be like, ha 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 ha, ha. No, you're not. <laughs>
0: You've heard it here first. Jess really doesn't <laughs> believe in vampires. There are no vampires in Jessica Kate Ryan's world.
1: Yeah, no. Except for that time that we were both obsessed with Twilight. Do you remember I mean, that?
0: those vampires aren't real.
1: Do you remember? I don't want to talk about Twilight. No, we're talking yeah, about you it. We're talking, of <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about it because we're talking about vampires. Oh, no. I remember being in literacy and numeracy with you, and we were both, like, reading Twilight under the desk. And I was like freaking out about something to do with Carlisle. And we were both like walking down the hall, being like, oh my God. We literally walked down
0: the hall reading those books. Yep. We had. I'm not
1: ashamed of that person. She got me to. Like, that book got me to read again. I'm
0: just nodding. She's. Yeah. I don't want to think about who I was back then. I'm into different vampire themed things. If we weren't
1: weren't those people back then, though, would we still be best friends and would we be here right now
0: a solid foundation of our relationship is like cringe like incredibly (laughs) cringe stuff that we did as teens
1: you can't be friends
0: with somebody like from the age of 12 and not like just cringe at all your memories
1: (laughs) yeah but they were fun Boy did we love Twilight. Boy did we love Twilight and boy did we get really emotional about doing high school musical at school. Yes,
0: we did. If if we were fourteen years old and Edward Cullen sparkled on up to us and was like, Hey, let's kill a guy, <laughs> do you think we would have said yes?
1: If Robert Pattinson had?
0: No, Edward Cullen. <laughs> You're thinking about it.
1: <laughs> no. No. I don't know. We we're pretty suggestible. In a fictitious world, maybe, but not in real life. Okay. This is a hypothetical situation. It definitely is. So, yeah, that was brief, but I'm sorry. I don't think it was that brief. Zane's shaking his head. It was uh, It was regular. I don't know. I, I talk to a lot of people about this and people are like, oh, I'm really excited for your episode on such and such. And I'm like, don't be. And then when I and then I'm like I'm really excited for Ellen's episode cuz she's the real researcher. I'm just the fake one that comes on here and is like, oh do I do research.
0: I just don't have anything else to do in my life, so I fill it with research. Every time somebody's like, "Let's hang out." I'm like, "I'm sorry, I can't. I have to research for my podcast." And they're like, "Okay, we get it. You have a podcast. You're so interesting."
1: Speaking of research for the podcast, Jess, what are we doing next week? We, well, not next week. Next episode. Next fortnight, We start season two. With another big banger like we started off with the Queensland season. Ivan Milat. We're doing Ivan Milat. We're doing the Backpack Murderer. We're doing it.
0: You guys are going to have hours of content to listen to. Really, if you need to do like a cross-country drive... This is gonna be the episode for you. But like if you're doing a cross country drive, maybe don't because it's the backpack of Murders and it will freak you out.
1: It is going to be huge. Let's not Ellen is reading how many pages of that book? Like seven hundred odd. Jesus. We're doing we're gonna Like, right. I I've now I'm finished. That was my last case. Ellen's been working on it because she got to do her last case. The last time, so she started on Ivan Milat, but I'm getting cracking on Tuesday. It's work. I am so excited,
0: and I hope you all are too. It's gonna be. It might be really bad. It actually. might be I'm really bad. We don't know. Much.
1: We're not gonna like hype it up too much. We're excited to do it. Whether or not you are excited to listen is up to you. We do not force any emotions or feelings onto you. Um, and then we have some absolutely amazing cases to go through. We for New do South have Wales. some
0: great trials and crimes coming up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was that what it was called? Great Crimes and Trials Crimes yes. and Trials, just really great ones Yeah, just really fabulous. Research has started we've picked them we're excited mm-hmm. and we'll still have
0: relatable moments of things because I used to live in New South Wales so I'll have some relatable yeah. content
1: but as as we said a few weeks ago if there are any Queensland murders because we will cycle back obviously um, if there are any Queensland crimes that we miss that you really want us to cover please send us an email at um, murder in the land of Oz podcast at gmail.com. Yep, Zane's nod- nodding. I've got it. Yep. it's a very wordy it's email address. So <laughs> wordy. Um, you can contact us on Facebook. Our Facebook is is murder in the land of Oz. We are also on Instagram, murder in the land of Oz. Are we Mint Lou podcast on Instagram? I don't know. I don't have anything to do with our social media. I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, I've been really shit at it lately, so I'm going to get better. Cause we need the subscribers. Uh, thank you to the like over a thousand people, like 1,200 1, people that are subscribed to this. That's fucked.
0: Please get more interesting hobbies, but also don't we need you? Don't
1: we need you? And we need you. We yeah, need you to friends. tell your friends and your family to listen to us because we know what we're doing. Sometimes mm. you can ponder that thought. <laughs> Anyway, so that's been the Queensland season. We are not taking a break. We are getting cracking because this is too much fucking fun. So we're going to continue on and start season two with Ivan Milet.
0: So we'll see you in a fortnight with that juicy content for you to savor.
1: Thank you so much. Have a lovely day or night or 2 a.m. or whenever this is. Bye-bye.